And now another episode of Ill Soy Advisor Profitability Radio brought to you by the Illinois Soybean Checkoff. IllSoyAdvisor.com is your best source for soybean management information. Our guest, you probably already seen him on the speaking tour this winter. If not, you will soon. He's Gary Schnitke at the U of I. Professor in farm management in Illinois. He's got three degrees, two of which are from the U of I. And you can find him on Twitter at G Schnitke. And, of course, you can read him at the Farm Doc website all day long talking about uh, farm income, cutting costs. And today we'll be talking about su- successful habits of farmers. So uh, you've been doing some research to define what works and what doesn't. Yes, this is a research funded by Illinois Soybean Association. So they're funding this work to look at uh, what causes farmers to be profitable and and, uh, more profitable than others. So what we did was we used FBFM data and identified farms that were consistently more profitable than their peers over a five-year period. So and then we looked at what those uh, more profitable farms were doing. This is sort of the, is picking the cream of the cream of the crop because all of these farmers, if they were still farming today, are, are generally very good managers. So we're looking at the top end of the top end. I'm thinking about Fred Belo. You know, he's got his secrets for soybean success, and and he's got and it's like the worst kept secrets in the world. But you know, one of them, is, one of his top secret is the most bushels per acre. So are are these successful habits? Is is one really? a jump out and grab you type of habit or is it a is it a combination of all of them that that helps make things work yeah it's a it's a combination of all things that make things things work but i i I sort of list two at the front first off is that they the farmers that are tend to be more profitable than others do get a bit higher yields than their peers and by that we're thinking about one to two bushels consistently over time so they get a, a bit higher yields, but they don't do that with higher cost. Somehow they keep their cost in line, and in, in particular, the machinery, labor, and overhead expenses are, are kept in line. I would describe these operations as pretty steely-eyed. They look at every input and every purchase and every item in, in what they're doing and look at it and see if there's a, a return to it. And if they're making innovations, they... Uh, Try and see if they have a plan, see if those innovations uh, work, and evaluate those innovations on their individual farm operation. Does that necessarily mean that they have the best farmland? Like you say, they have the yields, and I say, well, they must have the best farmland. That would be the cynical answer, but that's not necessarily the case? No. So we did. We when we did looked at profitability, we controlled for land. Um, so we divided these farms into group based on uh, 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 soil ratings. So we controlled for land quality. Sort of along those lines, these these farms weren't the highest cash rent bidders either. So they had typically had farm land cost or you know their their cash rents. We're roughly, you know, sort of average to maybe slightly above average, but nothing, nothing out of the ordinary, which would again support their land base being pretty similar to the other ones we were making comparisons to. Okay, gotcha. What are a couple of other habits that make a big difference? We had farms with all different 
farm sizes, but they tend to be reach of sort of a minimum size. But we can find farms that are in the profitable group anywhere from a thousand to five thousand acres and and above. So there wasn't anything about farm size that necessarily caused one to be more profitable than the other. But there was a labor efficiency sort of thing going on, and we typically saw about one farm operator per. 12 to 1300 acres on the on these grain farms. Sort of the other thing we did see was that over the we were looking at these farms over the last 5 years. We saw a lot of farms buy machinery during that high high uh, income period which was a wise thing to do from a from a tax uh, standpoint, but these farms typically didn't buy as much as some of the other farms. One of the things that surprisingly they weren't in the high end group was is in terms of uh, prices received for commodities. They tended to be, in each year, averaged maybe a slight lay above, but didn't tend to hit home runs, I guess. You would say they. it looks to us like they, they tended to market their grains, um, spreading those sales and taking something close to the average, making some sales at particular key points, but didn't try and hit home runs all the, all of the time. You know, part of that, I guess, is just coming to that point where you actually do pull the trigger on, well, you know, you hit a number and then you say, well, let's see if we can get a little bit more. But actually yeah. hitting, hitting that number when you when you wanted to in the first place. Yeah. So, you know, so marketing and, 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 and hitting home runs is difficult. Most people can't consistently do that where we didn't see people consistently doing that in the operators that we were looking at. You know, marketing is probably a bit like the uh, stock investing business. You're probably better off just going along for the ride and sort of income averaging, sort of taking the uh, approach of Jack Bogle and Vanguard. Same thing with marketing. It's Gary Schnitke at U of I who hopes to very soon complete his project with the Illinois Soybean Association of Successful Habits of Profitable Soybean Farmers. Remember, soybean management pays. Visit illsoyadvisor.com for more recommendations. That's illsoyadvisor.com, funded by your soybean checkoff.